Today's food consumer is forced to judge his or her foods based on labels that never concerned generations past. Organic must mean wholesome and therefore desirable, but costs 10 to 40 percent more than traditional counterparts. Is it worth it? And trans fats, they have been deemed so bad that the New York City Health Department has successfully banned them from restaurants there, yet they are still available for consumption in certain foods. And just what is the correct choice when faced with genetically engineered foods? Our expert will address all of these food quandaries during this Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233. Welcome, I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from New York City is my guest, Dr. Marion Nessel. Dr. Nessel is Paulette Goddard Professor in the Department of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University. Her degrees include a Ph.D. in molecular biology and an MPH in public health nutrition, both from the University of California, Berkeley. Dr. Nessel is widely published in professional journals and in the popular press. She has written the award-winning books Food Politics and Safe Food. Her most recent book is What to Eat. Welcome, Dr. Nessel. Oh, glad to be here. So are organic foods worth the extra cost? Well, I think they are. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I have... I'm fortunate enough to have enough money to be able to spend a little bit more for food that I think is worth it. And I, I like organics. I like what they do for the planet, and I think they're better for people. Well, let's talk about, are they more nutritious for us, or is it the environmental factor that's more... Well, let's start with the environmental one, because that one, in a way, is a little bit easier to talk about. Organic foods are grown under specific production conditions in which they don't use any synthetic fertilizers or pesticides. They're not genetically modified. They don't use irradiation and they aren't fertilized with sewage sludge. Um, And that's for produce and vegetable crops. And then animals, organic animals are raised under certain conditions. They're fed organic feed. They have to have access to the outdoors and so forth. The rules are long and complicated. Um, I think they're good rules. And to the extent that they're followed, and everybody seems to think they are being followed by the producers of certified organic food, they leave the soil in a much better condition, and they're, they don't pollute air and water uh, to the, and soil to the extent that conventionally grown crops do. So that, those are very good things. The nutrition question is a little bit harder to answer because the studies are so difficult do. But those studies that have been done do show that organic produce has slightly higher levels of minerals and some vitamins than conventionally grown produce. Um, The question for me as a nutritionist is what difference does it make? It isn't as if people in the United States are suffering from nutritional deficiencies anyway. There are plenty of vitamins and minerals in the food supply, and so I don't think that's the real point. But there are plenty of reasons to by organics beyond the nutritional value. The nutritional value is mostly important because the industry can use it as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. And so they're very, very interested in being able to demonstrate that organic foods are more nutritious than the other kind. Again, I think the differences will be small. It's not a, a big step, though, to look at the health benefits, looking at the environmental health benefits of organic. It may not be that a particular food has more nutrients in it, but what the benefits to our health from having a healthier environment well, are there. Even that, well, the, the, health, the environmental benefits are, I think, very clear. And you can look at the blood of children who are fed organic vegetables as opposed to those who aren't and see that the levels of pesticides are lower in their bodies. And 
there, the, you know, that seems like a really good thing, but it's been very difficult to demonstrate that pesticides have a harmful effect beyond levels that are so high that they cause toxicity in farm workers. Um, so the, the supposition is that having lower levels of pesticides is a good thing. I would think it would be a good thing. Um, I don't want a lot of pesticides in my body. And so that's one of the reasons why I eat organic food. Talk to us about the certified organic label. It's something that is licensed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture to agencies that do organic certification. And those agencies visit the production facilities and check the paperwork and look around and check to make sure that the organic rules are being followed. Um, I think that's a very important part of the process. And you mention in your book that attempts are being made to weaken organic standards. Well, one of the things about organics is it's the area of the food supply that is growing most rapidly. Sales are booming. I mean, the food supply in general grows at a very, very slow rate because we have far more food than we need. And organics are booming. They're going up by about 20% a year um, so that every major food company looks at this and says, wow, this is a place where I can make real profit. Even Walmart is, Even is Walmart. on board, the largest Even, grocery. Absolutely. Even that's, This is a complete explanation of having organics has nothing to do with Walmart's wanting to make its consumers healthier. Uh, Walmart is going into organics because there's money to be made in organics. And when you have very, very large uh, companies in the organic business, that puts a lot of pressure on the organic rules to soften a little bit. So that companies that are in very large production want the organic rules to allow them to do things that the organic rules may not have allowed previously so that they can continue to sell organics at a higher price and still be certified. So there's great pressure on the organic rules to weaken them. Um, and that pressure, there have been several very widely publicized incidents in which, in one case, the Department of Agriculture, in another case, the courts, and in a third case, Congress overrode recommendations of the National Organic Standards Board in an attempt to weaken the rules. And in a couple of cases, the weakenings were reversed, and they weren't allowed to do that. And in one case, the weakening stayed. And that was something that was done by Congress. And my own feeling is that if organic producers in the organic industry wants to maintain the credibility that it has to have in order to get people to be willing to buy things at higher prices, they better make sure those standards are firm as can be. If you've just joined us, you are listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Dr. Marian Nessel, nutrition, food studies, and public health professor at New York University and widely published author on nutrition. So let's skip from organics to trans fats. The banning of trans fats from restaurants in New York City has received a lot of attention, but you have pointed out that a second recommendation by the New York City Health Department requiring restaurants to disclose calorie contents would make greater sense in trying to prevent obesity. Yes, I don't think trans fats have very much to do with obesity, except that they make junk food cheaper, because whatever substitutes for trans fats will have the same number of calories. So it's not going to change the calorie issue. But calorie labeling might be helpful. It might be very, I mean, people have a sort of intuitive feel that if a product comes in a container, it has 100 calories no matter how big that container is. 
Really? And they push that now. There are there are a lot of products there are a lot in of containers. Calorie products on the market. Yeah. I actually think those are good. Seems relatively yeah. new, though. Yeah, it's relatively new. It's, I think it's a very good idea. Uh, so people think that if it comes in a container, it's got 100 calories, even if the container is very large and has 800 calories. Um, so the idea that you might label in fast food restaurants small, medium, and large portions with the number of calories they have. Um, I think it would be an interesting educational tool. And there is some very preliminary evidence that knowing how many calories in something is something that discourages people from buying larger portions. So that might work for cutting calories, which is what you have to do if you're going to do something about obesity. So trans fats was uh, a calorie distractor, is what I call it. Okay. Some some fast food restaurants though do offer that information. It's posted or oh, they have the information, but you have to have very strong glasses, (laughs) or a um, or you have to be a detective in order to find it. It's certainly on websites, um, and there are brochures. But um, when for a while, maybe McDonald's still has the calorie information and the nutrition information on the bottom side of the tray liners, but you don't get the tray liner until after you've gotten your food. So what you really want is you want the calorie information at point of purchase. Now, of course, restaurants are deeply opposed to this idea because they're afraid it's going to discourage sales, which, of course, it will. And you don't just mean fast food restaurants, sit-down restaurants as well. The proposal only applies to fast food restaurants. It doesn't apply to regular restaurants, and I don't think it could. If you run a restaurant that does not have a fixed menu where everything is made the same way every day and you're, you've got creative chefs who are adding a handful of this and a pinch of that, you can't really do accurate nutrition information. It would be so wrong that there's almost no point in doing it. But you know, the, the concept that I think is so important to get across is that the size of portion matters so much and that the larger the amount of food that you're eating, the more calories it's going to have. And for some reason, this is very conceptually difficult for most people. Mm. So that if you can't figure out what the calories are in your meal at a restaurant, you can always take Dr. Nussel's advice and just eat less of it. Indeed. Um, On to genetically modified foods. Most of us probably unknowingly eat genetically modified foods. Should we we be concerned? Um, We are definitely eating genetically modified foods because 85% of the soybeans in the United States and about half the corn are genetically modified. And those commodities get into our ingredients in lots and lots and lots of processed food products. So if you're eating any processed food that has Uh, a soybean ingredient, you have to assume that it's genetically modified unless it says otherwise. If it says otherwise, then it's organically grown and it doesn't, and then then it wouldn't be. Now, how concerned you should be about it depends on what concerns you. If you're concerned about food safety, I don't think there's a very serious problem at this point. Even though the foods haven't been tested to the extent that I wish they were, there's very little evidence that genetically modified foods are unsafe for the general population. If the issue that concerns you is, I'd like to know whether these foods are genetically modified or not, then there's a real dread and outrage problem because uh, the FDA does not require genetically modified foods to be labeled as such. And in fact, it forbids them from being labeled because it insists that genetically modified foods are no different from 
foods that are created with any other kind of genetic technique. I think consumers have a right to know whether foods are genetically modified or not, whether they're safe or unsafe. Uh, they just have a right to know that, and I think that not labeling those was a very, very big mistake. Finally, what would you say would be the most important action that could be taken to greatly improve food safety and quality in the United States? Oh, creating a new food safety agency at the federal level that would institute food safety procedures from farm to table. We need that very badly. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for today's medical professional. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. Marian Nessel, nutrition, food studies, and public health professor at New York University and widely published author on nutrition. Thank you so much, Dr. Nessel. Oh, my pleasure. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.